Hello, and welcome everyone to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we talk about our love for the holidays throughout the year and the fun we have through them. Today we're excited to talk about the fall season, and we've got four moons with us today. I'm Cole, and I'm going to talk about the origins of the terms fall and autumn. I'm Randy, and I'm going to talk about fall leaves and the woolly mammoth caterpillar. I'm Beth, and I'm going to talk about our fall family traditions. And I'm Sydney, and I will be talking about fall baking. For holiday happenings this week, we have one holiday happening, and that was when Sydney and I were driving back from a Starbucks near work recently. We saw our first set of leaves falling, That's and it was right. very exciting. It was. They were yellow and all pretty, and the breeze was going, and made us almost believe that cool weather would be. That's true because it's, it's not it's, it's not, not very cool down. right now. No, it's very hot. Yes. Yeah, what did you really did hot. you guys get a uh, any pumpkin spice lattes or anything at at Starbucks? Anything like seasonal? No, because it was hot. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, very that's sad. Fair. But uh, normally Sydney does. Right. I mean, because there's a nice cool day. Yeah. There's a lot of like uh, cultural traditions that are associated with with the autumn season as well as a lot of holidays. Because in the U.S., there's an entire seasonal culture. That's tied directly to to fall and autumn. You know, you've got pumpkin flavored pastries and that's drinks right. and uh, cider and you know apple picking and all of that. So for our first segment today, we're going to be talking about the origins of the terms autumn and fall. Uh, and there's an interesting note in the terminology, sort of between the differences of autumn and fall, because they're used interchangeably but i'd say that fall is definitely more common in the united states i'm not sure true i, I always thought as a, i always wondered as a kid what the difference was right well and as a kid i always thought i know that i always thought that autumn was like the larger season like fall to me sort of started when oh that's fine when the leaves started coming to, down to actually come down right and, and i autumn, think i was always thinking like oh that's you know from september to you know right whatever and, happened, and i think i thought the opposite but i don't really know why no <laughs> no i don't yeah it made it made logical sense in my head right it's like oh the leaves are falling it's fall which is actually the origin of the word fall which i'll get into in a minute but the word autumn is the older of the two and that comes from the latin word uh autumnus which is why our contemporary word autumn has that N on the end, that silent N, is because that when it was this Latin word autumnus, it was actually, the N was actually pronounced. So at some point the us came off? So yeah, at some point the us, it became about like the me, you know? <laughs> Autumn-me? Autumn-me. <laughs> it was, um, which you... You could say it's a very American thing. Right. <laughs> right. True, true. The funny thing is, if you did put an M-E on the end of autumn, you could still just pronounce it autumn. True. Yeah. True. But no, that, and the, the word autumnus Latin came to the British Isles in the 14th century, and that's where we get its reuse as autumn, you know, rebranded according to the, you know, this, it was Saxonized, Anglicized, the word. Um, and autumn, if, you know, first referred to the harvest. So in in Latin terms, it was it was nicer to have the word autumnus because if you use the word harvest for the time and also for the verb, it can get a little confusing because you know you're talking about an action. Two, two words, one one for a noun, one for a verb. Right. So there's a little more clarity. Was autumn or autumnus related at all to any of the gods in Rome? Uh, no, no. This would have been autumnus would have been. Would have been 14th century in uh, in Rome, so the the Catholic Church would have been well well into power at this point. Oh wow, that's a lot later than I thought. Yeah, um, and that that could be wrong. That's what sort of from a few different sources I seem to seem to find 14th century. So in then in the seventh century CE, the word fall started showing up in Britain, and its roots came from the falling of leaves, which eventually transferred into the shorthand fall, which is you know when I was a little what made sense to me about about fall about the season. But fall is interesting; had much more poetic kind of roots, as sort of a counterpart to spring, where summer was always the counterpart to winter. Uh, and, and oh yeah, that's true. Yes, yeah. yeah, spring, summer, fall, winter. We don't say spring, summer, autumn, winter normally. Right. Spring, summer, fall, winter. You're right. Right, and it's interesting because the concept of four seasons is uh, very contemporary in historical terms. Most um, to most cultures, there were two seasons, and those were summer and winter. 
But eventually, spring or springtime, um, the way it's it's spelled in like the older English is like with a bunch of G's and a bunch of Y's. Uh, but springtime. Spring <laughs> But no, then springtime showed up, so eventually fall or autumn came out of that. So I thought that was an interesting note that sort of... Because they, they, they definitely had times for harvest, even when they had two seasons, but it was always these smaller periods of time in this larger context. So yeah. harvest would have been most likely much shorter than autumn. As we know it. So do you do you happen to know if it would have been in their summer or winter? I'm guessing summer. The end of yeah, summer? Yeah, my guess would be summer because winter... I, I, I don't know for sure, but it logically makes it makes sense that it would be yeah. summer because winter would be considered that you know that harsh period of time. So, so this would probably harvest, be the end of Harvest summer. probably would be the end of summer. Autumn obviously goes probably from their summer into their winter because it's that, you know, that transitionary period. But fall and fall of the leaf was sort of what it was called in poetic terms. Fall oh, of the leaf and then I like that. You know, it was shortened to the fall. It took more popularity in the western part of the British Empire, which you know would have been uh, British colonies in the Americas and North America and in Canada. Well, and specifically in New England, uh, it was it you know showed up other places, but like a lot of other things, like a lot of American traditions, it sort of took its roots in New England. That kind of makes sense, though, too, because New England has very distinct seasons. Very right, right. It's very yes. easy to see. And that's sort of, from what I could find, that's sort of one of the reasons that I, I theorize based on the evidence is that you have a very visual representation of fall in, you know... New England, yeah. In New England. Even now, we go up Even to New now, England right. to see the beauty of the change. And the term harvest was uh, almost completely obsolete by the 17th century in the British Empire, and it was replaced by fall and autumn. Those okay. two, which were, you know, largely interchangeable. But because there was very little linguistic exchange between, say, the English and the Scottish and the colonies... You could have sort of this this divide where back in England they refer to it as autumn, and over in the Americas they refer to it as fall. Oh, and that's probably why we kept the the two names then, because we right had that heritage, but then also yeah, the heritage. Well, and you also have as as the Americas is breaking off, as these British colonies are breaking off from the empire, America trying to sort of have its own identity so you've got that separation too where there's a lot of words that aren't as common in in britain proper that are being uh, more commonly used in the u.s right as well as different ways of spelling things right as well as different ways of spelling things right mm -hmm. right and i would guess that it was it was because you know there's there's a few reasons i would imagine and the you know the separation is one thing the very visual kind of I can see that the the leaves are falling kind of change is another thing. And also, fall is more of a sort of what I can find like an everyman's word kind of thing. It was a shortened, it was a shortened word which was very, very Saxon. It was, it had its roots in, in Saxon language as opposed to the Latin autumn. So it was more of a, it, weird to say, but more of a, a workman's kind of word than uh than And yet autumn. still poetic because it was fall of the leaves. I really like that. So... Uh, fall is still used sometimes in Great Britain, from what, but what I can find, it's very much an American thing at this point, is that they'll, they'll say autumn in, in Great Britain, whereas in here, you know, we always say fall. But we've got things that say autumn, you know, we have like decorations and stuff that will say autumn, so right. we use it. Everybody knows what it is, but, you know, it's spring, summer, fall, winter. Yeah, definitely is. Um, but... You do, from what I can find, it's still used in phrases. Like, you don't hear it in everyday speech in Britain, but you'll hear it in phrases like spring and fall, that kind of thing. In Britain? In Britain. Okay, so fall is used just sometimes in specific... Right, in specific cases. cases. From from what I could, you know, find. Interesting. So, you know, I always think of fall as being an American slash European type of concept. But when I was looking for information about fall leaves and places to go, I got a site that was an international site. And it was interesting to see fall locations all over the world that are prime locations for fall leaves. Fall leaves, that's interesting. So is it internationally, obviously leaves change 
all over the world, but is it a sort of is it a seasonal like culture in other right. other areas? Right. I don't know. No. <laughs> well, and we have certain leaves here with the trees that we have right. that make it a dramatic and dynamic change. So we have like the maples, right? Right. Our maple the the maple tree out front that we had planted is literally called autumn blaze um and it's a bright nice bright red color and i'll talk about that some in my upcoming segment and that leads me into my first of two segments i'm going to talk about fall leaves so living in the shenandoah valley area we have several options to view leaves around the area for hikes walks and drives. We have the Shenandoah National Forest. We've got George Washington National Park, Massanutten Storybook Trail. Those are just a few places that we've gone in the past. And well, the, and the great thing about this area is that it's right on the Appalachian Trail too. Right. So I know a lot of people, you know, you can get onto that. I don't want to say just about anywhere, but and a lot of these roads, you can, they have trails everywhere around here. You can Absolutely. park get right on the Appalachian Trail. Right. And people often wonder how they can best find the timing of the colors so that they're optimal for um, their planning <laughs> and viewing activities. They can find the color that they like. <laughs> yes, that's right. Right. So uh, there's a number of factors that play into the colors of the leaves as they come in. I know for us, we usually start thinking the October time frame is when the leaves will be optimal in our area in Virginia, but it depends on a lot of different things as you look over heat and humidity of the uh, area at the time. The brightest colors are brought out by um, the most warmth, the sunny days, and clear, cool nights, which I thought was interesting because that's why New England is so ripe with beautiful fall leaves yep. because they have warm, sunny days and, and crisp, cool, and crisp nights. cool nights. So that is often why trees in that area produce the vibrant red pigments um, that join in with the yellows and the oranges. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. I just mm-hmm. thought it was it, um, how much sun was yeah. out. I didn't think it had to do any yeah. temperature at all. Yep. It also has to do with the rainfall of the area. So if it's been dry in your area, so again, the east coast tends to be wetter than the some of the west coast. So the east coast tends to have enough rainfall that it doesn't get into a drought situation. So any, and drought, you think of drought as being like super bad, but drought is actually, there's a standard for just not enough water. So you could have not enough water where it makes your leaves turn brown faster than they normally would. Oh, interesting. Yeah. We've had a lot of rain here. Yes, we have <laughs> we had a lot of rain it there. It should be a beautiful fall. I, it should be. <laughs> right. Well, except it also has to be the first one temperature-wise, right? So oh, your right. these all add into each other. So the other thing that plays into that, this is pests and mold. So obviously, if you have these factors in your area, they also can stress the tree, which makes the tree not as likely to be as pretty or to turn brown quicker. So trees can get stressed? That's yeah, absolutely. Trees get stressed when they are bothered by pests or by mold. Um, they get stressed. So what kind of, what kind of pests do, do you know? Like based on that? Sure. There's For our trees, for instance, we can get boars, which are little beetle some are beetle like some are caterpillar like that bore holes through the bark which is you know there's the layer between the bark and the wood Mm -hmm. that's the vibrant layer of nutrients that flow up and down the tree so the more Mm -hmm. holes they get or from a woodpecker Mm -hmm. more holes a tree gets the less its flow the less flow it has and the more stressed it gets meaning it can't support all the leaves that it has so right. I, yeah, I was wondering if it was things like uh, like rodents, like squirrels, moles, that kind of thing that would... Only if they're struggle. stressing the roots or the bark. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that factors into the leaves are uh, heavy storms. So I know in the past, we've been set up for some beautiful leaves only to have a large storm system come through and blow all the leaves down. That is <laughs> yeah, so really sad. sad. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's the, fun to see the leaves fall, but not... Not that many all at once before we can see them all up on the tree. Right. And not all wet. Right. right. I don't want to see them floating on the ground. No. <laughs> right. 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 In Right. So we use a number of, well, I use a number of ways to find out when leaves are going to be optimally pretty in our area. Um, we use an app called Leaf Peeper. And this is actually a, a social app. It's called, it's spelled L-E-A-F-P-E-E-P-R. It's an app you can get for, at least for your iPhone. I'm not sure about 
other devices. Uh, but it calls out county by county and people can post what level their trees are in the area. So through a social app, you can find out. Now, I have found in the past it's hit or miss. Some people are way more optimistic than actually is happening in the area. Are they? Do they add pictures or is it just text? You, find um, you can add pictures as well, but I don't. Not everybody does. Okay. Um, so you, we use that app as one way to tell. Um, I encourage you to use multiple because it, it does vary. Mm-hmm. So the National Weather um, System website also puts information about leaves and where they're peaking. Another app is smokymountains.com, and they have a, a little slider app that shows you based on date when they're projecting peak in the area. Uh, who, who does that? So we mentioned the Weather Channel, self, and then a self-report app, and then who, who does this? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> a place called so Smoky. smokymountains.com. So do you know what defines peak? Like, is it the most variety or is it... No, peak would be the most... Is the color, the vibrancy of color based on experience. The most. Is what it is. So some of the interesting things, depending on your area, uh, Beth was talking earlier about the color. So hickories tend to be golden bronze. Aspen and yellow poplars are golden yellow at their peak. Dogwoods, purplish red. Beech trees are light tan. Red maples are brilliant scarlet. Sugar maples, which we have a beautiful sugar maple down the road, are orange red. I love that. It is gorgeous. It is huge. Black maples are glowing yellow. I don't Mm. think I've seen that. And striped maple are almost colorless. (laughs) <laughs> what does that mean? Like, like it just sucks all the green out and becomes nothing? Well, are they like translucent? Or? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we don't see them because they're hardly there. That's right. We don't know. Right. I'm going to know what a black maple is. I'm going to write that down and look it up. One of the things to remember as part of this discussion is that the reason leaves are changing color is not because of temperature. It's, a, it's because of the reduction of light, right? So as you move from summer to fall and we change where we are in our orbit, we're moving so that the, our part of the earth is facing away, more away from the sun than it used to in the summer, which means the daylight period is getting smaller. So sunrise is later, sunset is earlier, and that's what triggers the chlorophyll, the green part of trees, to slow down. It knows, oh, I'm getting less light, therefore I can't, I don't have as much time to produce, so I'm going to start to slow down. Mm -hmm. When the chlorophyll starts to slow down, that's when the green color starts to fade, and the color underneath the green, or the next level of color, Right, because these colors all exist in the tree all the time. It's just the chlorophyll from spring and summer overwhelm these colors. As the chlorophyll dies down and, it, and it, the light is reducing, then you start to see these these uh, beautiful colors come out. Depending on all these other things like weather and moisture and things like that. And Sydney, I, I did remember where SmokyMountains.com their information is based on. It's from oh. NOAA, which is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Oh. So it's like NASA except for the oceans is really what it, what that is. So they are the ones where they get the yeah. the modeling on SmokyMountains.com. So okay. a lot of times, if you live in an area that the follies kind of the colors come through, right? It's a little bit easier. But if you need to go to an area. I know even though we live in an area, we wanted to go to the Poconos, and we've been right. to the Poconos a couple times, mm-hmm. and it's kind of hit or miss. You look, you can go online and search for history of fall uh, leaf colors mm-hmm. in a particular area, and there's a lot of good resources online via Google, and you can kind of project, well, typically it's in this time frame, whether that's mid-October, late October, early October if it's way up in Maine, uh, or northern New York. So you can go in and project when those colors are going to be there for you and then go to that area. So we've gone twice to the Poconos. Which I've always thought was hilarious because you always see like the city folks and they, you know, because they go to the countryside because they want to see the colors and get away for a week over a long weekend and whatnot. It's always funny to me. I know we've joked about it too. It's like we go from the countryside to the countryside. Right. right? right, right. <laughs> but it's so pretty, right? Because of all the, the leaves. But again, it's hit or miss. Right. Like we've gone where it's pretty and then we've gone where it's like, okay, well. You know, well, I like to go explore. So mm-hmm. to me, when you go to the Poconos in that time of year, it's for the leaves. Mm-hmm. It's for the little towns. Yes. And it's for the festivals that might be going on. 
one. Mm-hmm. It's for the little fun shops and things in the area. So that's for, to me part of the fun. And last last year, I remember we went. We were not anticipating a lot of color, and we have friends that came up from Houston and went with us. So, you know, being from Houston, I don't know how many people know this, but it's really hot and humid almost what? all the time. Yes. <laughs> um, so my um, hope for them was that they would see beautiful colors, but I didn't really think it was going to happen because it mm-hmm. just didn't seem like there were a lot of pretty colors. But we got up there and it was gorgeous. It was. Yep. We were very happy. Although it did take a little bit of time to find the pretty colors because right. the area we started in, it was pretty green. Yeah. Um, so you drove 20 minutes a different direction, beautiful colors. Drove Lovely walk, beautiful colors. 45 minutes a different direction, beautiful colors. So um, it definitely, don't give up if that one immediate area doesn't have as much colors. You can actually ask around, which is what we did. Um, we found more colors on the New Jersey side last year. Mm-hmm. And in that little town that we went to that I can't remember the name of. Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe. That's right. Right. So that's some information about how you can do some searching and track down the fall colors that you want. Uh, Another topic that hit me the other day, I've been driving around the roads and about this time of year, you start to see what we call the woolly bear caterpillars on the roads. And these are the caterpillars that are typically brown and black. They have uh, usually a band of black and then they're brown on both ends or they're black on both ends and brown in the middle. Fuzzy. And they're fuzzy. They Well, they're, yeah, they're what we call fuzzy. They look fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Um, some people call these woolly bear caterpillars. Some call them fuzzy bear cat- caterpillars. Um, in what? the south, they call them woolly worms. Some people call them hedgehog caterpillars. Never you, heard of that. You know how when you touch or them. Woolly worms, though. Um, when they touch them, they roll up into a ball. They that's do. when they're so really funny. easy to pick up at that point. So they like to play dead. But that's why some people call them hedgehog caterpillars. I've always known them as woolly bear caterpillars. And I remember as a kid hearing that. The amount of brown and black on a caterpillar determines what the type of winter will be, um, whether it'll be a mild winter or a particularly cold winter. So I was driving down the local roads and I noticed some of these woolly bear caterpillars being all black. And that is not common um, in my history. So it made me think back to my childhood and trying to remember what people would say, farmers particularly, about the caterpillars and what the brown versus the black meant. Uh, So I wanted to talk a little bit about that so people um, may or may not realize that there's this connection to these caterpillars and predicting the weather. So this actually dates back all the way to colonial times. And according to folklore, the amount of black on the woolly bear in autumn varies proportionally with the severity of the coming winter in the locality that the caterpillar is found. So the longer the woolly bear's black bands, the longer, the colder, the snowier, and the more severe the winter will be. Woohoo! <laughs> so, we are going to have a long, yeah, cold, we, We've had a winter. stretch of not of a few not great winters yeah. as far as... Not great from our perspective. From our right. perspective, not Early much snow, snow, not much cold. So we're, we like we're on board for, for that. So the wider the middle brown section, the more wild, milder the upcoming winter will be. So the position of the longest dark bands supposedly indicates which part of winter will be the coldest or the harshest. If the head end of the caterpillar, if you can tell that, it would be the direction. The head is in the direction that the caterpillar is walking. <laughs> That's moving, right? It's not backing up. There's no beeping going on there. So if the head end of the caterpillar is dark, then the beginning of winter will be severe. Same if the tail end is dark, the end of the winter will be cold. In addition, the woolly bear caterpillar has 13 segments of its body, which traditionally correspond to 13 weeks of winter. That's a lot to put on one teeny tiny thing. I know, right? <laughs> right. So it's interesting to find out, well, where did that tradition come from like where where, why did it become so popular because it dates back to farmers talking about this way back in the colonial times but it was a um, person who did a study in 1949 on how caterpillars related to the winters and he had a little bit of information a little bit of data collected and from there he made a big leap (laughs) oh actually it was 1948 He made a big leap on uh, what it all meant and published it. It was picked up by the New York Herald Tribune, which was a popular newspaper, big newspaper in the country back in the 40s. And uh, from there, it became a a national press story and became a very popular story that then got picked up 
um, by the whole country. So it's interesting how, yes. <laughs> and then in 1973, some residents in the uh, town of Vermilion, Ohio, actually created a woolly bear festival. That is so To celebrate funny. the woolly worm or the woolly bear caterpillar. <laughs> Um, and other festivals exist in like North Carolina and other places um, across the country, in Kentucky and Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, Oil City, Pennsylvania. So just a number of places. So it was uh, interesting looking back on this. Now, when you look at what science says about the woolly bear caterpillar, any guesses what science says it's about? A it's a caterpillar. With That's no it. forecasting. <laughs> That's with, right. With colors. That's right. Caterpillar with colors. Yes. What the, what the scientists will say is the caterpillar's colors are determined by a number of local factors that are in the past, like how hot it was, how dry it was. So the interesting thing about this particular caterpillar, unlike most caterpillars that live days or weeks mm-hmm. before they become a moth, this caterpillar can live up to 14 years, which means that it can live through winters, which most caterpillars mm-hmm. cannot do. Uh, so its colors are based on years of history and experience, um, is what science, scientists will say, not based on what the future holds, obviously. So uh, yeah, so kind of interesting when you look at the history and the uh, scientific, scientific information about these caterpillars. So if you believe in the colors, then we're going to have one heck of a winter. I've seen <laughs> several, I mean, a lot of uh-huh. all black caterpillars. Now, you don't always see the, all the same color. There's a mixture all, every year. Um, and I have seen some with the stripe in the middle. But the number of black caterpillars I've seen, we'll see this year if mm. the uh, woolly bear caterpillar is right or not. Mm. Or it had a lot of interesting things happen to it in the past. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Depending so, on what you believe. Right. Maybe it went through a lot of severe winter. See, it's had its time. So if your family doesn't want a dog or a cat, apparently these caterpillars will live up to 14 years. Yes, so. but you can't keep them in the inside. Wild. No, but you can have like, uh, a wild one in your backyard. I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is really interesting. You would need to look at, because of the way that they hibernate, they use, they like particular plants and they have particular spots that they use to hibernate. So you'd have to let them do their own thing, yeah. really. Well, that's interesting that you mentioned that because I have noticed caterpillars walking across the, ro- the road mm-hmm. and that they were like fuzzy, but I never really stopped to look. And they're not the fuzzy poisonous. No. These ones are fuzzy from end to end. Yeah. And they are bristly fuzzy looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're brown and black. They're, they're not other colors. They're either all black or mostly brown or brown and black. Growing up in Pennsylvania, we used to pick them up all the time. They yeah. rolled up into little balls. They little were fun. fun balls, yep. yep. You just take them to other places and put them yeah. down again. Yes, they were terrified, but yes. <laughs> you <laughs> but children to their, to everywhere. Their <laughs> That's right, we added to their stress. Yes, so that was a fun little segment. Well, I'm going to talk about um, fall family traditions. We do a number of things in the fall. We like, we like fall a lot. Yeah. One of the things that we always do is go on a fall hike. We had done... Or, or a fall walk. A or, fall stroll. Or a fall walk. <laughs> Some of us walk a little bris- more briskly than, than others. It also depends on the trail, right? Right. Yeah. So we used to go to a trail at George Washington National Forest over here. National Park. No, you're right. National Forest. Yeah. Yeah. George. Washington I think I called it a National Park earlier. You did, but that was okay. <laughs> so we, we used to go to George Washington National Park every fall. Forest. Did I say fall? Yes, you did. Okay. You're being a bad influence. Okay. We used to go to George Washington National Forest every year. And it was really pretty, but I, I found with that trail... It was really, really rocky. So you had to. It was a little too hike-like. Yeah. No, it it was it was rocky and it had a lot of leaves on top. Yes. So I had to look down a lot to see where I was going and make sure I, I wasn't yeah. going Didn't to trip. Yeah. Couldn't trip. Really enjoy the scenery because you would trip on a rock. Right. So to enjoy the scenery, you'd have to stop. <laughs> there were big rocks. look around. Way to go, a rock. <laughs> yeah. Geez. So anyway. Yeah. That wasn't as, um, it was really fun. And when we got to the top, it was beautiful, beautiful to look scenery. out over the mm-hmm. over the valley. It was gorgeous. But it was not the greatest fall hike. So 
we um, we switched over to a place called Storybrook. Book. Storybook. And where is that in? Massanutten. In Massanutten. Virginia. So we have done that the last several years. That is a lovely stroll. <laughs> you do not have to worry about rocks. It it's is a, a lovely trail. Widely paved, paved or yes. wooden planked. Yeah. <laughs> that walks up to a large. Beautiful overlook. Yeah. Graded outlook. Yeah, that you can walk out over so that you can see down. It's beautiful. And and the trees on the way are beautiful. And there are rocks that you can sit and take pictures. I mean, it's very photo It's, it's definitely a walking trail and not a hiking trail. No. There's right. no, no hiking. And it's not very long. I mean, you drive no. to the end of it and walk up maybe 15 minutes. Yeah, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. 20 right. minutes if you're taking your time. 20 minutes if you're... Yeah, if there's a lot of dogs on the trail and you want to stop and pet them, then probably yeah. 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, well, and if... um. Your family members like to stop and take a lot of pictures oh, yes. instead of, you know, some just of us like to it. <laughs> some of us like to just enjoy walking and you know being with people, and some of us like to stop and you know not enjoy. That reminds me, we we have to make sure we get some pictures along the way this year. Yeah, definitely. Nice, cool. That's great. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> but if you have small children, this would be a great place yes. to go. Absolutely. You could even put them in wagons, mm-hmm. right, and pool wagon with them in it. It's it's a, an excellent one. Although once you get to the overlook, there are parts that you'd have to watch your kids because they could go off not go off the edge of the overlook, <laughs> but they could go off the trail. If they go off the trail and over, there are rocks and things that yes, you got to keep them hurt. on the trail. You have to keep yeah. it on. But for the, the most of the trail, ninety five percent of the trail, it is I mean, easy going. They could go over. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think if you know when we take the time them to actually like raise and, you. Yeah. We don't want you, you know, catapulting over things. Yeah. I mean, if, if you, like, flung a child over there, it could yeah. go. Yeah, that's not as funny as you think. It's hitting you as funny as the image of it. Like, like, whoop. Is this an that's still not. No. <laughs> it's really With two people here that have children, one of which is you. It's really funny. It's not. Anyway. One of, it's, one of which is you, the child, not having a child. <laughs> Right. Of the two people who have had children, one of which is you. <laughs> like I, yeah, you mixed your connection there and it made it sound like Cole had children. I used yes. to have a child. Do you have to Presumably I flung it over and over and over. Cole does not have children, so he does not have children. You don't know me. I am the only one that has had children in this family. Oh Alright, anyway, so that's a lovely fall hike or stroll depending on how you want to... Meander. Um... Another thing that we always do is we always go apple picking. And we had talked about that in our last podcast, going to Great Country Farms. That's one of the places that we normally go. And with that, we usually pick up cider, apple cider, from there also. We also go to a local place. And also cider is there. Heartland Orchard. Yes. And that's that's a really nice place too. And there's also Stribling Orchard, and and if you search orchards, local orchards on Google, I'm sure you can find right. orchards near you. Mm-hmm. And different apples are available at different times of year, so of different times of the season, actually. So you might want to take a look at that, or or call them because we've done that. Are your gala apples ready to be picked? And they'll let you know. Yes, and I think it's um, a good thing to look up ahead of time because I Definitely. noticed this last time with Great Country Farms, we got there. And we didn't recognize the types of apples at all. And I think the varieties... Well, some of them we did. Red Delicious. I didn't. Well, okay. Yeah, red. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but the other ones. So the non-Red Delicious ones. And there's so many varieties now that if you They're call wrong. ahead, you can also say which of these are good for eating and which are the of these are good for baking. Right. So you can find out which apples are available and then more about them. And then you have time to also do, do a little research yourself and Google them. Because not everybody at the orchard can answer that. Right, right. There, yeah. Some of it's just seasonal hired help, and some of it's young people, and they're not there to know all the information. They're there to take your money, put your wristband on. (laughs) So anyway, another family tradition is pumpkin picking. So going out and getting a pumpkin out of a pumpkin patch somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, We each picker choose your pumpkin, bring it back to carve it, and. Speaking of pumpkins, one of the things that Sydney and I really look forward to in the fall, like really watch for and get excited about, are the pumpkin 
Donuts at Dunkin' Donuts. That's right. They mm. are so good. They are. Oh my goodness. And so are. we wait throughout the year to to get them and eat them. That's right. Delightedly. Yeah, this year um, I was on the watch for the Starbucks pumpkin spice latte drink, yes. which I enjoy. My mom doesn't like coffee, so... Right, I don't... Yeah. Right, so she doesn't... But, um... But the day that I got that, I was wondering, oh, I wonder if Dunkin' Donuts has their donuts available, and they did, so I, I came with donuts to their work. And we both sat and ate donuts. Partook, <laughs> partook of, of donuts. And there's yeah. right. there's a fair amount of Dunkin' Donuts around their area. Like, there's enough that we can, you can find one pretty easily. It might, you might have to drive out to it. Yeah. But definitely, as you get, as you get further north... You're going to get a whole lot more... North and east, right? North and northeast. Yes. You're going to get a whole more lot more Dunkin' Donuts and a whole lot more of those well, great pumpkin huh? It was a great surprise to look out at a, my security screen and see Sydney standing there with a Dunkin' Donuts bag. I was yes. like, oh, what? So she came in. She had her pumpkin latte mm-hmm. and pumpkin donuts. Pumpkin donuts yes. And it was an incredible treat. It was. It was and delicious. You were talking about pumpkin patches earlier. The place we go to now is a place that they actually grow the pumpkins. You grow, go out into the field that where they're right. growing pumpkins right. and gourds together. Mm-hmm. So you can pick pumpkins and gourds right. and you find your pumpkin. So you, you're more likely to find pumpkins that have like some yucky spots on them and things like that. Or they're not perfect. It's like the, when you pick apples. And dirt and things like that. Right. They're, they're going to be some... They're not picture perfect. They're not waxed. But, <laughs> they're not... But you also get the experience along with... Right, which is fun. Right. To see... Like the, it's not the same as just going to Walmart or Target and picking a pumpkin out of, you know, the big pumpkin. Bin. But the thing I was thinking of is other places like churches or community centers will sometimes have pumpkin patches. Right. Which are just... They've imported a bunch of pre-picked pumpkins That's of different right. that sizes go, yeah. that you can go sit and they'll usually have hay mm-hmm. and things like that where you can go photo ops. have some right. photo ops with them. Yeah, we and, did that when the kids were little. Right, we had opportunities to do that when we right. couldn't go to an actual live growing pumpkin patch. Right. right. And it's always better with a live growing one to bring like a knife or something because you, you yes. in some cases you do have to Get cut. the vines off right. of the... Yeah, they don't like, just pop off. You know, right. Not, yeah. Nothing crazy, but like a box cutter or something, yeah. you know, a razor. Something, something like Chainsaw. that. Chainsaw. Yeah, don't don't go crazy <laughs> with, with the knives. Yeah. But this the, is a Christmas um, tree picking. <laughs> I think our rule was if you, if you want that pumpkin, you have to be able to carry it back to the little... The little wagon that they 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 had a wagon that you would go and the people would get on it and take it back and forth from the pumpkin patch. Okay. Right. So for that particular kids, patch, yes, the kids had to be able to carry their pumpkin if they wanted that pumpkin. So they couldn't. We didn't go in and actually, you know what? I think you carried three pumpkins out. I yeah, I was going to say my memory is different. I remember <laughs> told them carrying they had to. large <laughs> pumpkins. Out no, you of, don't remember this rule. You didn't. You disregarded this rule. I think what happened was I carried the largest two. You carried the one that was the smallest of the three big ones. Yeah. Right? And that was when the kids were a little bit older, right? So it really depended on their years. Yeah, they just couldn't. Yeah. They they weren't tiny at that point, but they, yeah. They were big enough to go, ooh, I'd like that one. Right. And to have... And I got sucked into their excitement and agreed to carry the biggest ones. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. It didn't take a lot for dad. The other thing in our area we always look forward to is, is a festival called Festival of the Leaves. And it's a big thing. We live in the Shenandoah area. So it's a it's a big event with crafting and food and it's always mm-hmm. we always really enjoy that. So the, again, there could be fe- there could be different festivals in your area or your surrounding areas. So I think right. googling this stuff and just kind of keeping an eye out could and be The other thing that is common now is on Facebook. You can actually search for events on True. Facebook. And the, you mentioned two types of events. One was a church that was kind of focused on the families and on the pumpkins. The Fall Festival of Leaves in Front Royal is a town festival. So there's a Correct. lot of booths. There's a lot of food. There's music being played. So it's a little bit different type local of festival. Local vendors. Local vendors. Right. A little bit different type of festival. Um, but so it depends on what you're looking for. But right. all those could be available to you within driving distance. And the, the last thing I wanted to mention is every fall, Randy and I go to the, something called the Northern Virginia Christmas Market. Now, we're talking about fall. And yes, I just said Christmas. But. 
but it always happens in the fall. So that's something we really look forward to going and looking around and thinking forward about the Christmas gifts and stuff. Then go to Uncle Julio's and have a yummy lunch. <laughs> right. And and my dad, whose birthday's in September, will usually ask in September if we've made our Christmas list <laughs> he yet. He does. So He's he so likes funny. to get a head start on the Christmas shopping. So it doesn't hurt us at all in our heads to think forward and go to the Christmas market. And they have a lot of different types of things. They also have fall things there. Yep. And sometimes you find great things. And sometimes it's just a lovely afternoon out. Right. As far as fall family traditions, those are some of the ones that we enjoy. Sydney, I think there are different things you enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. There are things that I enjoy. Are there, Sydney? Like what? What do you enjoy? I love baking. Yay, we love you baking. Except when I'm on a diet. Well, yes. Still love it. Still love it. Just sad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, so I've heard a lot of people, uh, even at work, saying that, you know, this is a time of year to bake, right? You think of fall and you think of baking. You You think of the spices, the smells, the tastes. Think of all of that combined. It kind of just kickstarts the baking pre-Christmas season. And it's Honestly, homey, and it's it is. It's, it just you cooking. Yeah, you yeah. think of warmth and mm-hmm. and happiness and spices <laughs> and deliciousness. You know, all that good stuff. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I personally like baking for several reasons, and if I think between baking and cooking, I definitely prefer baking. Yes, that's true. You do. Yes. Um, you, you, Mom, you usually cook um, our meals. So, you know, apart from helping you and seeing how you cook, I think baking is definitely something, though, that I, I prefer. And, that... and I, I generally, I don't, I don't think I've maybe ever baked. I know I, I like cooking a lot. You do. Yeah. And it's sort of worth noting, Mom and I cook very different ways. We cook very different meals mm-hmm, right. for ourselves. Yeah. But Sydney and I bake very and, and you similarly. Two bake, yeah, very yeah. similarly. When you, uh, the do, reason... do you two cook similarly? Yeah. When you are cooking, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and the reason why I bring this up is, is because oftentimes when I ask people, do you like to bake? They often, it's almost like a, a either or. It's either right? cooking or baking. Or baking. Mm-hmm. It very rarely is both, which I always find is interesting. Or they have a strong preference or a preference yeah. towards one or the other. Definitely. And it might just be more of a familiarity between one or the other. I'm mm-hmm. definitely more familiar with baking, so I think that, that's one of the reasons why I prefer baking. Another reason is I have a lot of fun memories Yes. of you baking. Me bake for a very mm-hmm. long time, and with your grandmother and stuff too. That's right, that's right. And I we even have pictures of when I think oh. I think it was like eighteen months old. And I'm like at the counter. I don't know. I'm like a two feet tall, <laughs> and well, that not literally, but um, I'm right. like helping mom. Well, I mean, and you've grown a foot since the... then. Well, <laughs> thanks, Paul. Excellent. Thanks. Yes, we have from the time you were little. You, we have pictures of you standing on a chair next right. to me mm-hmm. and putting stuff in the KitchenAid, like right. putting flour and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would spices. let you, yes, I would let you do a lot of the pouring and, mm-hmm. and you were very hands-on. And, yes. and Cole doesn't remember. He actually helped when he was little too. Um, I remember a little bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you remember you used to bake grass cakes? Just FYI. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> well, you tell that story all the time, so... Yeah. It's adorable. She hasn't so, told it on the podcast yet to the entire population right. of listeners. <laughs> right. You mentioned it, so... Well, um, when Cole was little, we would go to my mom's house, his amos, what is what Sydney and Cole call her, and we would go there, and Cole, that's the place that Cole always wanted to make grass cake, because my mother convinced him that he could go get grass and some other ingredients. Like dirt, like dirt yeah. water. Dirt, and put water. in a bowl. Rocks. But, <laughs> Very small rocks. <laughs> but he could also, I think she let him put flour and sugar and stuff in it. I know, he, she, she let him put eggs in. I thought that was gross. <laughs> so anyway, Cole would mix up, and he was really little at this point. It was adorable. He would, quote unquote, mix up this stuff, this substance. This concoction. <laughs> this, this concoction. Is it going to be? And then he would go do something, mm-hmm. and while he did that, Mom and I think Brookie and Victor, yeah, our would, cousins and our yeah, grandmother. They, that's right. Our their cousins, my niece and nephew, Brooke and Victor, and my mom um, would bake a real cake. 
they would mix up a cake, stick it in the oven, and when they pulled it out, we got rid of the concoction and would say, oh, Cole, your grass cake is out. Actually, they said it. And he'd come out and he'd be so excited and we would frost <laughs> it and eat grass cake. That's right. That, and that was a fun For years, memory. we did this. That's right. Starting when he was I don't know what age it was that he finally figured out grass does not make cake. But <laughs> back to the actually good smelling spicy baking that you are doing and you're talking about. That's right. But a lot of it is the fun memories that we've had with family, with friends. We've had friends come over and help us bake different, well, not to help us bake different things. But um, they, they have ended up uh, helping us make different things. Mm-hmm. We also love the spices, the smells, really how do. the whole house smells. I, op- oh. I often remember you guys coming home from something after I baked. And even just in the door, you got your, your all spaces. It's just like, oh my goodness, this surprise. And it's, you know. And with cinnamon <laughs> smell. Then the realization that you're not cooking it for us and you're doing it for like work and stuff and the sadness. <laughs> she usually at least lets us have a she bite she of lets it. Us have a, there, right. there have been one or two times that I can remember that you were like, oh no, this is for work. Like all of it. And I was very sad. When you do a pie or a cake or something, it kind of has to be all of it. Yeah. Well, again, that, that's that's a hard thing. I also have we'll like... Make another one. one. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. But also a lot of it's like the look of it. Yeah. Right? It has to look appealing. I'm a very visual person, so I, I like when it looks nice. Right. I also like how it makes other people happy, which is another reason why I share it yep. with you guys as well as with more. Um, we also bake for others as well. We do. And we bake for different bake sales. And it, it's always relaxing and enjoy an enjoyable hobby for me. I also have a sweet tooth. <laughs> so I like to yes. use my own concoctions. <laughs> which so is why I right? as, as you uh, finish them, or is it like an ongoing process of eating various ingredients? And, Maybe. And so, <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Like the batter? Like well, the, yeah. Some, some batter. Some, some batter, batter is not so good. Like... I love your gingerbread cookies. The gingerbread bread batter is not great. Yeah, like various um, Christmas cookies that we made, and we'll we'll talk about those in later sessions, later um, podcast episodes. But um, yeah, some some of the dough is just not. It's not great. Mm-hmm. But so, the cookies are. Awesome. But the outcome is always yes. great. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you like to cook in the fall? So there are different types of things that I like to bake. Bake goodies. Typically, what you Bake, think of cook. for the fall is breads, right? Pumpkin bread, cookies, spice pumpkin bread, cookies like apple, cinnamon cookies, pumpkin cookies, spice cookies, all of that combined, even. And then you think of pies, right? Pumpkin, apple, pecan, different things like that. And we cook a variety of, well, bake a variety of, of fall things. Not we don't bake everything in at one, once, at once <laughs> or in one fall time frame, but we do usually like have a general list of fall things to choose from. Well, and there are favorites. There are favorites, yes. We find favorite recipes, and those recipes are the ones that we will go back to because we mm-hmm. enjoy them so much. Right, and typically we, we stick with certain spices, right? Like cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, cloves, pumpkin spice, thing, All fun spice, smelling yes. things. Mm-hmm. So... I'm going to talk about a couple of our favorites. I'm going to talk about pumpkin pie and apple pie. So just to note, our pies we make completely from scratch, right? So we make the crust. We don't we don't buy the crust. We make the crust. And then we make the filling. Both are homemade. And then we bake, bake it ourselves as well. So, In our but homemade you, oven. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you can but you can purchase absolutely crust somewhere. You can actually purchase purchase filling too. That's right. If you if you you know want to just try and you're mm-hmm. in a t- or you're in a time crunch, we don't. But certainly that is an option. That is. But if you are looking for a homemade crust recipe, I know that sometimes those can be hard to find. Like a really good crust recipe. Um, I'll mention it here, and then we can um, post it online as well. We'll post the recipes as well, so that. You can compare yours to them or, you know, just even see what you you think. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about pumpkin. Pumpkin is usually what people think of when they think of fall, right? Pumpkin spice, all that good stuff. So I, okay, so true confession, I did not realize that our pumpkin pie recipe came from the back of the pumpkin, of the Libby's pumpkin can. (laughs) It does. (laughs) When uh, mom first told me that, I had her repeat it to me again. Because it's not in my in my recipe book. Right. The recipe book that I've made of favorite right. foods. 
Right. Were you just shocked, or was there like a betrayed feeling? Or... <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think there was. I was your like searching yeah. your book, your your homemade book of like recipes. I found the apple pie and the cherry pie. I was like, ah, where is it? Where is it? But so this is um, Libby's famous pumpkin pie. It says it makes ten servings. It's just it's just a normal pumpkin pie size, right? And I will say, you said that you make everything by scratch, but you don't actually cook the pumpkin down. No. You get the that pumpkin is, from the can. That's a very good can. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. To specify. Now, the apple pie, you actually cut down the apples and everything. You don't use any kind of filling for Correct. We, for that. we don't any, cut down the apples. Any store-bought filling or anything like that. You, right. You peel you the, get apples, the apples. You peel the apples. You peel the spices on. Yes. Cut them and, and sometimes they're like straight that. from the apple orchard. We've we've had times where... Yes. Um, both. And yeah. apple pie is great. Like, if you... Apple picking is huge in fall. And if you come back home and are wondering what to do with all these apples that you've picked with maybe um, your loved ones or, you know, with some very close friends and you just have way too much, apple pie is a great way to use the apples. Yeah, yeah, all those apples you've accumulated and now. I actually right. once made three different pies with three different kinds of apples to mm-hmm. see which one we liked the best so that I knew mm-hmm. in the future which ones to get. Which one? Do, is it Gala that we like the Gala best? Gala is yeah, the one that we personally like, but there are a lot of apples out there. That's right. So Roma, Gala, and Macintosh, it says on the recipe, are really good for apple pie baking. And for the apples... We use like cinnamon, allspice, sugar. I mean, it's, it's very um, straightforward. One of the things to note is that with our, at least with our homemade pie crust, we have to do a double. We have to do a double batch in order to make the the underfilling and then the two crusts, yeah, and the crust on top. But for the pumpkin pie, they have um, they say to put in cinnamon, ginger, cloves, all, and I mean, it ends up smelling so good. It in is. the house. It's just like the wonderful false scents all together. And um, it only requires one batch of the pie crust. The pie crust, by the way, in order to get two, two crusts, it's two and a half cups of flour, one and a half teaspoon of salt, two thirds cup of Crisco, and then some cold water just to make it um, doughy enough for you to spread around. And that and that's it. And again, we'll post all this online. And I did, have, I did try other pumpkin pie recipes. Mm-hmm. But that is the one I kept going back to over and over and over. That is an incredible pumpkin pie. It is. It really is. So those are a few of our favorite fall baking recipes that we love. So we these are the typical, usually what we always bake in the fall. We absolutely love them. Makes the house smell wonderful. And the spices are amazing. The taste is absolutely amazing. We just love it. We'll share the recipe online if you want to look them up and maybe give them a try. Again, like Mom was saying earlier, they have crusts um, in the stores. They have filling in the stores. But if you were ever curious um, and wanted, maybe want a recipe to make from scratch, maybe you're just trying something new. Um, and that's what we always did. We would always look right. up recipes and try them until we found the one that we really liked. And give it a try. Well, that was a fun discussion of fall history and traditions and different things that we do. Um, hopefully, you guys have a, and, and woolly yeah. bears. That's right. Yeah. Hopefully, you guys can think of some fun fall traditions to start, or to um, uh, perhaps you already have some that you can share as well. And uh, we have both Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is holiday underscore moons. Instagram is holiday moons. One word. Um, so you guys can reach out to us that way. We're still working on our facebook page um so we'll have that up and running as well as a website soon where we can post the information about recipes and such so we're looking forward to that just so you know in the next couple of weeks we have a lot of fall activities going on beth and i actually will be heading down to disney for the mickey's not so scary halloween party we'll also be at universal for a night Uh, we'll be at the epcot food and wine festival for a day and we'll be at the animal kingdom so we'll share when we get back or maybe even while we're there if we can some different activities that are going on there what we think about them we hope your fall and halloween preparations are going well and we look forward to talking to you soon Bye -bye. bye bye